today is election day. We're voting um, across uh, the, across the country. Um, but um, I'm here to do a Bible study. That's what we do on Tuesday evenings. Um, there's a few of you, and I'm very grateful for those of you that have encouraged me to continue to do this. A few of you that are faithful listeners, either watching live, some of you are watching live on Facebook or YouTube, and then there are a few of you that uh, come in after, maybe after work or have things you've got going on in the evening, you check it out the next day, next few days, and I'm also grateful for that. Um, just in case, and I'm not sure how you're listening to this now, but um, in addition to the live, you're able to watch those on the recording, but um, I also have this available on the podcast platforms. So uh, the audio of this is available that way. Maybe that's a preferred way to listen to uh, this kind of stuff. And as always, I really do appreciate any feedback. I always like praise. I mean, I, I'm, 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 I like an attaboy as much as anybody, but uh but very seriously, would love to hear if there are questions that you have or uh, some challenges that you have with maybe understanding something I'm saying. That way, this can be a little more of a two-way dialogue. And again, I'll take your praise any way you give it. But uh, but very seriously, um, you know, let me know if there's any way I can be a help to you. That is my goal here is to is to try to encourage you and help you um, to study the Word of God. And I need to do that. I try to do this. This is a a way for me to um, help you kind of look over my shoulder and learn from me. But in the process, we learn together. And uh, that's why the, the questions and answers uh, are very, very helpful. So um, very grateful for the time that we'll spend together. We're going to be in Mark chapter one. We'll be picking up in verse four. We've covered those first three verses, I think, pretty well up to this point. And we're going to pick up in verse four. And what we're going to find in this passage is where Jesus is baptized. Um, so as we we'll get into it in just a moment, but I want to begin as I often do with these uh, uh, these studies is, and I do think this is a good practice if you're not doing this on your own is if you're going to read the word of the Lord, if you're going to try to understand it, try to study it, know this is a supernatural exercise as much as anything. So uh, very important that um, we take and take this to the Lord and ask for His help. So I'm going to take a minute to do that now. Would encourage you to do the same as uh, I just lead a prayer, uh, talking to the Lord about getting the help that I need. Which, let's pray together. Lord, I need your help. Um, I, I'm proposing to share your word with people, and I know that's not something I can do uh, in a natural sense, but with your Holy Spirit's help, um, with His strength then I can actually teach the, the people something that's helpful and you will uh, renew our minds and encourage us in the process. I pray that you'll do this in Jesus name. Amen. I think it's always helpful to do first what you came to do, which is let's read the text uh, to, to, to jump right in and say, here's what I think about it without actually reading it for ourselves. I think is uh, is a miss. So let's, let's do that first and understand what the word of God says. I'm in Mark chapter one. I'll begin in verse four. I'm actually going to read this whole section going all the way down to verse 11. I think that'll be an important thing to do. So let's start there. It just starts with, uh, this is after the introduction in verses one through three. So in verse four, it picks up, it says, John did baptize in the wilderness and preach the baptism of repentance for the remission of sin. So now we're, he's introduced us to Jesus, but now he's talking about John. So he's going to have John baptizing in the wilderness, preaching about this baptism of repentance. And he says, and there went out unto him all the land of Judea. So you got John out in the wilderness 
and everybody in the land of Judea and those of Jerusalem, and they were all baptized of him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. So there's definitely something going on with John, some kind of spiritual awakening, spiritual revival here. People are coming out. They're wanting this rite of, uh, rite of uh, baptism uh, to be done to them. And then verse six, you've got John. He describes him clothed in a camel's hair with a girdle of skin about his loins and did eat locust and wild honey. So this is a uh, as best as I can understand this description of John, John the Baptist, as he's often known, um, pretty, pretty wild man, pretty, pretty, uh, pretty uh, kind of crazy looking fella, you know, bushy beard and then all this sort of thing. I think you sort of see this guy is just a, is a, is a, is a wild man out, out in the wilderness. Verse seven, he's out there preaching, though, and he says, preaching, saying, there cometh one mightier than I after me the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down and unloose. I indeed have baptized you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. So, so John is, is relaying his message. Yes, I'm, I'm here to help you and all these things, but he's saying there's somebody who I'm really here to talk about. And he's talking about Jesus, of course. He's talking about how much greater Jesus is than him. And he says that I'm going to baptize you with water, but Jesus is coming and he's going to give you this greater baptism. So already, I hope you're seeing there's a there, there's two characters here. There's Jesus and there's John. There, there's two ideas of what baptism is about here that, that we're going to see. And we'll talk about what Jesus has in mind. But let's go on in verse nine. And it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth. So up to this point, in the story of John, at least. Jesus has not come into the picture. But in verse 9, we have Jesus coming out to see John. He comes from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized of John in Jordan. So we, we know that he's come out to be baptized of John. And then in verse 10, straightway coming up out of the water. So after he's been baptized, he's walking out of the water. He saw the heavens open and the spirit like a dove descending upon him. And there came a voice from heaven saying, Thou art my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So we, we see this picture of Jesus and the picture is actually the, the relaying of the story, the incident of Jesus walking into the waters of baptism and coming out. And then of course the Holy Spirit's presence there in the spirit of the, the, the doves, the, the, the image of the dove. And then of course the father's voice. So you have the Trinity uh, pictured here, but you've got this story of Jesus being baptized. Now, as I mentioned, there's two key characters, and each of those represent, I think, a facet or gives us some facets of this story. They also have a key question associated with them. So let's look at each of those, those characters. We're going to talk about Jesus. Now, now I think I've signaled this already, but I'll say it explicitly right now. I'm not going to cover all of this in one session. I'm going to, I'm going to break this into two sessions. Next week, we'll talk about half of this. This week, we'll talk about half of this. There's two questions here. Question one is Jesus. Why is he even being baptized? I think that's the key question. We'll talk about that today. Next week, I want to talk about the other character, but just to give you something to think about over the next week, there's John. He's talked about a lot here, his, his mission, his, his ministry, the work that he's doing, his philosophy and all that. But what does John tell us? And this is a key question to think through, and we'll talk about next week. What does John tell us about our roles, our responsibilities, what we have to do um, as it relates to Jesus? So we'll, we'll come back to that next week. But this week, I want to look at character one, most important character, even for John. John is looking and said, this is the one I'm talking about, Jesus. So why is Jesus being baptized at all? I think that's the question I want you to have in the back of your mind as we as we think about this. 
So first of all, what does Jesus's baptism mean? So there's meaning here, and what does it actually mean? Well, I think we, we should look at the passage for some clues to this. First of all, we've got John, he is baptizing, verse 4, baptizing in the wilderness. Now, he's out in the wilderness, um, and he's baptizing people, so he's putting them through the water. They are coming from the cities and coming out to this wilderness place where it's, it's desolate and all this sort of thing. So that's actually what's going on. But I believe, and I believe very firmly, that John Mark, the writer here that God is using, is giving us pictures of what was going on with Israel. So trying to flash back to kind of allude to what was going on with Israel when they were in Egypt. So think about this. Israel was in Egypt. They were in slavery and they were in, in is, or Egypt rather is this, is this sort of this uh, symbol picture throughout the scripture of the sinful place. It's terrible place, uh, destruction and damnation, that sort of thing. God brings them out. He uses Moses to get them out of Egypt. So the Exodus, that's the whole book of Exodus, bringing them out of Egypt. And where does he bring them? He brings them to water. He brings them to water, the, the Red Sea. Now, we understand, and if you, especially if you don't know how to swim or if you've had any boating accidents or anything like that, you understand that water can be deadly. Uh, it, it can be very deadly. In fact, that's that was actually the point was a lot of these... Um, Throughout the Old Testament, a lot of times when it's referring to water, when it's referring to bodies of water, uh, there's there's an element that often is uh, is, is suggested of, of judgment and punishment and destruction. And so God brings them out of Egypt, out of sin, brings them to this water, and there's judgment. How are they going to get through the judgment? Well, God, through his mercy, through his grace, parts that Red Sea, makes a way for his people to escape not only the sin of the of the of the city of uh, cities of Egypt brings them out to this wilderness place where there's destruction and there's this this water he brings them through that so there's salvation that's the exodus and i believe that's what mark is trying to bring to our mind is that picture so you've got you've got this one crying in the wilderness that john he's out in the wilderness so he's out of that so they're out in the wilderness of sin and John's out in this wilderness of sin, and he is helping these people to, to see there's, there's, there's hope. Yes, there's judgment, but there's hope. And then you go to verse 9, where you see that Jesus comes and he's baptized. So what does he do? He's passing through the waters of judgment. He's passing through the judgment of God. Again, I, I, I'm probably not doing a great job of this, but I want you to be thinking about this with me if you can. This visual image that's in my mind, on the one end, I've got Exodus that I've just described to you on the, and that's the past on the other end, the future, you've got the, um, the cross, which is not yet happened in as a, as of this, as of this uh, story that we're reading about. So you've got these two pictures. One is in the past. One is going to happen in the future. And what Jesus is doing now is alluding to that salvation that happened for Israel, alluding to the salvation he's, a, he's about to do. It's why he's come is to die on a cross for the world. And he is passing through the judgment of God. And then as a result of that, verses 10 and 11, you see the spirit like a dove descending down, blessing and saying, yes, this is the one. He is what he claims to be. God himself, the father, he says, thou art my beloved son in verse 11. So you're seeing Jesus coming out of the wilderness or in the wilderness of sin, passing through the judgment of God and then receiving the blessings of the Father and of the Spirit, acknowledging that what he's done has been effective. 
All of this is a picture. It is a symbol of the suffering that Jesus would do for us and the power that he has to overcome the, the damage and the destruction that sin causes us. So what does Jesus's baptism mean? I think that's the question I'm trying to answer with the words that I'm using now. What does his baptism mean? His baptism means that Jesus, he suffered through the judgment that we deserved. And as a result of doing that and being successful and effective in doing so, was blessed by God, acknowledged by God that he was the salvation of the world. So what does the salvation mean? It is a picture. It's a beautiful picture of the suffering that he would do for us and the victory he would have over our sin. So that's what, that's what his baptism, that's what the baptism is about. So there is the question then, well, why is Jesus being baptized? Some people might ask that, and it's often asked that. So, you know, Jesus is perfect, right? He doesn't need, he's nothing wrong with him. So why is he being baptized? And I think it's a fair question, even in light of what I just said, because I mean, remember I said it's a symbol and what he's going to do and all that. But then there's that question of, well, why does Jesus need to do this? Especially if you look at verse four, where John's out there baptizing and he's preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sin. Potentially, the way you could read that, and I think this is a its a loaded phrase that I'm about to say. I'm, I'll admit that, but I want to say it, and then I want to explain it. So help, let me say it, and then let me explain it. In a sense, John is baptizing these people for the forgiveness of sin. That's what remission of sin, taking their sins away. So loaded statement, I know that, because I, I want to acknowledge for anybody that, if you don't know me, or if you do know me, I want to go ahead and say, put it on the record, I do not believe that the way to salvation is to put yourself through water. That is not what I believe. I don't even believe that's what John the Baptist was teaching at all. But what he was teaching was there needs to be forgiveness of sins and that you need to acknowledge that God is going to forgive that sin and that this baptism, I believe that he was teaching that this baptism was a representation of that, a symbol of that, much like we might even today, now that we're looking back on the cross, he was looking forward to the cross. I believe that's what he was doing. But still at the heart of it, what we're saying here is you've got people who need to be forgiven of their sins and they're acknowledging I'm a sinner. I need forgiveness. Let me go through the waters of baptism to acknowledge that. So that's what I believe is going on here with John, but you've got Jesus who is without sin. I will I will not back up off that. I will not change that. My, you won't change my mind on that. He does not have sin. So if he does not have sin, what in the world does he need to repent of? Well, I'll just go ahead and answer my own question. There's nothing. He doesn't have sin. He doesn't need to repent of anything. But as I've already tried to uh, allude to, he is foreshadowing his conquering of my sin. He is saying, I'm going through this for you. It, it brings to mind, for me at least, uh, what the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15. And he's, he's talking about Jesus when he writes this. He says, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Say it another way. He's saying Jesus was the kind of priest representative to God for us that understands what we've gone through. He's been where we are. He's felt what we felt. 
every pain, every bit of suffering, all the, the damage that sin does to us. He, he feels that in a way that, honestly, I don't know that I can explain. You know how it is sometimes you, you, you've got, if you've gone through something very terrible, maybe I know some of you that are listening, you, you maybe have lost a spouse or a, a child, or maybe there was a very important relationship to you that was broken apart. You felt some of that, that this is an intense pain. And people who have not experienced that can't even sympathize. I mean, they may feel sorry for you. They may feel bad for you. May they love you and all those things take nothing away from that, but they don't quite feel it the way you feel it. I think you understand that. Jesus feels it the way you feel it on every aspect of that. So what he's done here is he's saying, I'm going through the judgment of God for you. And he is do he does that actually on the cross. Whenever uh, the, the the father turns his back on the son, and the skies darken, and all of the that 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 goes on, on on Calvary, and and he he goes through that judgment of God for my sin. He does that for me. And here he's not going because he's got any sin. He's going actually saying I don't have any sin. And because I don't have any sin, I want to show you, I'm giving you a picture of what I'm about to do, that I'm going to be victorious. So he goes through this water, this symbol of judgment. Take He is taking the Father's punishment. He's taking the punishment that I deserved. So this water of baptism, it was, it was something I could go through it a million times. And it was a symbol, but all I'm doing is saying, if, if Jesus hadn't done this, by the way, all I'm doing is simply saying, yep, I'm going through the water and I'd like to have my sins forgiven. And I think that would be the best John could hope for is to let these people hope that their sins were forgiven. But that's why he keeps pointing to there's one that's coming. He's going to really do the real baptizing here. And when Jesus shows up and he walks through that judgment, he receives that judgment for us. And again, it's still in a picture here with the water. But when he's doing that for us, he's saying, listen, I'm going to take this for you. And the amazing outcome of this in verses 10, 11, don't overlook that. Because when Jesus walked through this, if it had been a normal man doing this, there would have been probably nothing happening at best. At worst, if God would have come down and actually said what he thought about it, he would potentially judge that man even more harshly. But Jesus walks through and is essentially saying to the world, I'm about to take your punishment. This is punishment I'm going to take for you. And what is, what is the father and what is the spirit's response? They're, they're pleased. They're descending, blessing, showing there's an association and relationship here. So what Jesus does is not only does he take the punishment, but he actually puts us in a position of access, acceptance, being acceptable to God, like the way that Paul writes about this in Ephesians chapter two. And I would encourage you, if you're interested in this, go read Ephesians two, about verse 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, verses 14 through 18, very good passage there, where he talks about how there is this wall, this partition that, that we can't even get to God. And with the suggestion that if we could get to him, that it would not end well for us. But because Jesus has gone through this punishment, he has taken this wrath for us, that that not only is our sin forgiven, so we don't have the punishment that's due to us, 
But now we can actually enter into the throne room of God. We have access to him. We can walk into his presence. And when we do, he's glad to see us. He, he enjoys having us there. Again, the writer of Hebrews, is, and I'm going to actually go turn over there, Hebrews chapter 4, where he says, again, we've got this high priest. He's been touched with our infirmities. He's felt what we feel. He knows what we are going through. He's been tempted just like we've been tempted. And he says in verse 16 of chapter 4, Hebrews 4, 16, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in the time of a grace to help in the time of need. All of that is to simply say that Jesus has endured this punishment. And because he's endured this punishment, not only is my sins forgiven, that's awesome. That's, that's worth the price of admission right there. But in addition to that, he makes me acceptable to the father. He actually gives to me, imputes to me that, um, that endorsement, if you will. I'm now seen by the father in much the same light as the sun is, I'm accepted. I'm well-pleasing by him. So now what, what do we do with all this? I'm going to wrap this up and try to give you some practical, what do you do about this? Well, I'm going to give you three things. First thing I'm going to say to you, if you're listening, is make sure that you're trusting in Jesus Christ alone. A lot of you already know this, but this is kind of table stakes, uh, this bread and butter, this is blocking and tackling for Christianity. If you're not trusting in Jesus Christ, there is no way you will ever be able to endure the wrath that God has towards those who have, who have sin in them. You can't. You have to be fully immersed, find yourself fully buried in Jesus Christ. He's already went through the judgment He's passed through in this, in this passage in Mark, he's passed through those, those waters of judgment. He actually faced death for us and he defeated death for us on the cross, in the tomb. He rose again. That's what he's done. He's already done that. And because of that, you have to trust him alone. I think that's what Mark is trying to get across in Mark chapter one. One of the lessons, if you learn nothing else that I hear ever say for, to, to you, hear this and hear it plain, that Jesus Christ is the only hope you have for enduring the judgment that your sin is, is, is due. It's the only way. It's the only hope of, of any hope. I, I was going to say hope of salvation. It's truly the only hope of salvation, but it's really the only hope we have. Because Jesus has done this, we have hope. Now, second of all, I would offer to you, what do you do about this? Well, publicly identify with Jesus. He has, in a very public way here, in front of, at, at that time, it was in front of really all of Israel, practically all of Israel is, you know, for, for all intents and purposes, everybody was there. It's kind of the, the indication of the text. And he was able to announce to everyone there, he says, listen, I am going to do this for you. You have now an opportunity. And I would even probably go so far as to say a responsibility that because he's done that for you. And if you have trusted in him alone to then publicly identify with him, what I mean by that is, this is why you get baptized. This is why you participate in a local church. You're, bab you're baptized to, to identify with that body of believers and ultimately that Savior, that he's done that for you. You're going to identify with them. You'll stand in front of that congregation with them endorsing you, saying, yes, 
this person has said that they put their faith in Jesus. And this person is saying to the, the people that are watching, hey, I'm trusting in Christ. He's doing a work in me. He passed through the waters of judgment. So I'm walking with him. That That's what you're doing by doing that. So if you haven't been baptized, Christian, please make sure you're associating yourself with a local body of believers. Go through those waters of baptism to publicly identify yourself with Jesus. And then finally, number three, as the writer of Hebrews calls it, and he says there to boldly go to the throne of grace. You weren't saved so that you had to suffer. You weren't saved to, to just to say, you know, to kind of to sit on the outskirts of heaven, as it were. You were saved to be a beloved son or daughter of God. Jesus has paid the price. It's already been paid. Your, your, your way has been paid. You are acceptable. You are accepted. He wants you in his presence. So what I think so many Christians, and, and I probably am saying this maybe a little autobiographically about myself, that we will suffer. We'll go through some things. And it's something dumb that we've done, some sin that we've participated in, something we've uh, allowed ourselves to be part of, or maybe it's something somebody's doing to us, whatever the circumstances are. But we'll go through that and we'll sit there and say, well, I guess I'm just a bad dude and I just have to deserve this. Well, I, I don't know. I, I'm not going to say yes or no. And maybe you do deserve it. I don't know. But what I do know this, this is what I do know. Jesus went through the pain. He went through the suffering. He knows what you're dealing with. And he didn't do it to waste it. He definitely didn't do it. So you would sit there and feel bad for yourself, feel sorry for yourself. He did it so that we can come boldly into the throne of grace to get the help that we need in that time of need, that grace to help in the time of need, as the writer of Hebrews says. So here's Jesus being baptized. And what does it mean? Well, one of the things it means is he's acceptable. He made you acceptable. Talk to him. You may be saying, well, Matthew, I'm just, I'm feeling sorry for myself. Maybe I just need to get over it. Well, maybe you do. But if you're feeling sorry for yourself, talk to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm feeling sorry for myself. Can you help me? You may be saying, well, somebody did something terrible to me and I don't know what to do about it. Well, I want to just encourage you. You can boldly enter into the throne of grace. Your problem, as big as it is, and I'm diminishing it by nothing, as big as it is, is the smallest thing in the world that the Lord can handle. He's already done the worst He's taken your sins on himself, and he's endured that punishment. Come to him for your help. So what are you going to do about Jesus being baptized? Trust him and him alone. Publicly identify with him, and then come boldly to him in your time of need. And next week, we're going to uh, uh, look at John's role in all this. This is where it gets a little bit personal. What are we going to do about this? I think John is the example that sets for us. I think if you want to study ahead, verses 7 and 8 of that passage, Mark chapter one, that's, those are the key verses to look at. What is John's attitude here? Um, I am going to be traveling a little bit for work next week, so I'll probably pick a different time. Uh, I'll try to signal that to you all that are watching here, um, but I'm going to probably be doing this at a different time next week um, just because I have to be traveling for work, and it's, uh, I think it cuts right into when I have to do some work activities. But uh, I will be back on next week. I'll, I'll publish a time for you, and I'll look forward to that. Um, and then other last thing I'll say, and I'll close off, uh, some of you, uh, that have been following me on Facebook in particular, you saw this, but the Lord has provided some, some opportunities for me to preach. I'm, I'm really excited about that. And, 
and I'm, I'm looking forward to preaching tomorrow night somewhere fairly locally for us and then uh, Sunday and a couple other opportunities and uh, I'm just I'm excited about it and thankful for that and I appreciate those of you and I know some of you uh, are very faithful to pray for us I really don't deserve that but I'm grateful for it thank you um, but I just wanted y'all to know that uh, those of you that are that are thinking about us uh, the Lord's answering prayers up here family's doing well and everybody's doing great but uh, it's good to talk to you again and uh, we'll stay in touch and we'll talk next week y'all have a great uh, great evening and a great rest of the week goodbye now